Cove Church. This is Ruby Hatzel. She is our interim youth director and is doing an incredible job. Ruby hails from Las Vegas, Nevada. For those of you who did not know, she's married to her wonderful husband, Anthony, who helps lead our worship. He's a pretty cool guy, Anthony. Uh, she's been involved at Cove Church since 2015 and has volunteered, just loving our students, volunteering the time for five years. Uh, with Cove Youth, graduated from New Hope Christian College with a degree in ministry leadership. When Ruby is off the clock, you can find her snuggled up with her husband watching their favorite TV show and eating takeout. She loves a good matcha breve, juicy true crime stories, chihuahuas, and even some content creating. Give Ruby one more big hand, would you, Cove Church? So, uh, you just came back from camp yeah. and uh, about 10 days ago. I want to ask you about camp, but before that, for those of us who don't know, when it comes to Cove Youth, I mean, what, what happens week in and week out when students arrive here on Wednesday? You know, where do they meet? Kind of walk us through what they experience. Yeah, so um, every Wednesday here at the church, we have our Cove Youth Service for middle schoolers and high schoolers um, at 7 uh, p.m. Uh, me and my amazing team, we have some really, really amazing uh, youth leaders. Um, we come meet at 6 o'clock for prayer and to uh, pray for your students and kind of debrief what, what's going to go on in service. And then we start prepping for uh, setup and stuff. Um, and the, at the beginning of youth group, we have... Uh, food, a family style kind of meals, um, and I'm really passionate about food, so I love to feed our students well. I have like um, inspired uh, Olive Garden or Panda Express or, you know, I try to get really creative with the food, and they're like the Tasmanian devils, and they will come in and eat everything. <laughs> um, so we have that, and then we just have open time with games and just hanging out, um, and then once youth service starts, we open up with an icebreaker game that usually gets everyone involved, um, and then we go into worship, um, and then there's a gospel um, message and then we do small group stuff where we really get to connect and um, see what's going on with our students um, and how we can be walking alongside them and be praying for them and then that's pretty much what we do every every Wednesday so yeah awesome awesome Ruby thank you for the way that you serve our students I've been to those services they're wonderful so camp mm -hmm. maybe just give us a flyover where did you go tell us about the camp what was the schedule yeah. you know what were the activities what do the kids do yeah, so um, we went to this beautiful Young Life campus called Washington Family Ranch. And um, what's really interesting about this campus, fun fact, um, before this place was Washington Family Ranch, um, it used to be, it used to belong to this really unhealthy commune. Um, I don't know if anybody knows, but they were called the Rajneesh people. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that campus used to belong to them. Um, and for those who don't know, they did a lot of weird and illegal things over there. Um, and if you're interested to learn more of the history about it, there's a uh, documentary on Netflix called Wild Wild Country, and you can learn more about it there. But it's a really crazy story. Um, but towards the end of the reign of that cult, um, there was a businessman named Des Dennis Washington who bought the ranch, and then he then it donated it to Young Life, which now has um, been remodeled and upgraded, and now is redeemed, and it's used to glorify God. So, really amazing. So cool. In regards of like what we did there, there was so much to do. Um, during our free time, we had a plethora of activities. Like we had the zip line, and we had the big swing, the pool. We had skate park, and rock climbing, and gaga ball, and sand volleyball, and everyone's favorite was the uh, go-karts. Everyone loved that. And it was, again, there's so much more to do than what I just listed, but everyone had a lot of fun. Um, but we did have some structure stuff, like we had services and plan organized games. Um, morning services and evening services included a fun and engaging worship um, that actually was led by our um, own Cove worship team, so shout out to them. They made it really fun um, and engaging. Um, and then we had kind of um, skits that, uh, interactive skits that involved students with some games and even some of, some of us leaders. That uh, was really fun, and we had some really amazing speakers who shared the gospel. So, yeah. Awesome. So you uh, put together uh, another video. That first video was done by you, Ruby. Thank mm -hmm. you. Put another, put together another video. We want to let the kids kind of share in their own voice. So this is uh, Cope Church. The audio on this is not uh, Ruby's fault. It's just shot on an iPhone, so you have to listen a little bit carefully. But hear from the students in their own words. Take a look at this video. I learned that I could have more freedom. That I don't need somebody else's approval or anybody else's thoughts to know I'm worthy. Read the Bible more. Yeah. Focus on God more. Just no test that's too small. And that there's a lot more things that God can do for you and he can take you on the right path. At camp, I learned that there is no such thing as too small of a job for the kingdom of God. Everything counts and we are just innately worth it. So you don't have to like consume the bread just at church. You consume the bread anywhere. Have a humble soul and don't care what other people think about you. To believe in God no matter what. Ooh, I learned so many things, but um, to will one thing, and that's God. Yeah. Just love the Lord. Just gotta be with Lord every time. I feel like God is really just trying to let me know that he's still in control and he has everything under control right now, and especially with all the changes going on in my life. So. Awesome, awesome. So there... Ruby, there are probably a lot of takeaways. A um, couple of guest speakers, different nights. Um, maybe one overarching theme, I'm sure certain, several takeaways for you. I know that go beyond just the heart of a student or those who are at camp. There's probably some things that are applicable for us today. And so maybe, maybe just challenge our hearts, share with us what God did in your heart and uh, what God may want to do in our hearts this morning as you come back from camp. Yeah, okay. Um, so the big idea that we learned at camp was uh, the Beatitudes on how to live a blessed life and how um, we also talked about um, our hunger pains and the desires that we have in our lives and how we can live a fully satisfied blessed life. So um, we dove right into Matthew 5, 1 through 12. It's 
uh, the Beatitudes, it's a really long passage, but just to summarize it, it's a series of words, and starting at verse 3, um, we have all these different kinds of sentences, but they all start with this word, blessed. Um, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed those who mourn, blessed are those, uh, sorry, blessed are those who are meek, blessed, blessed, blessed. So what does blessed mean? Uh, blessed defined is the kind of happiness that comes from receiving divine favor. Um, in this passage of scripture, Jesus, Jesus is actually trying to turn upside down the culture's definition of blessed. And what happens is blessed is not caused on an external blessing. It's actually focused on an internal activity. It's almost like Jesus is trying to communicate that the blessed life isn't about how much money that we make. The blessed life isn't the kind of possessions that we own. The blessed life isn't about what kind of families we come from. The blessed life comes from an internal work that you choose to do in your relationship with God. So blessed are those who are hungry and who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Um, we dove into the story of parting the Red Sea in the book of Exodus and how the nation of Israel was freed from 400 years of slavery. But when they got to the other side, um, they sang and they praised like, yay, thank you, God. And um, they praised it, praised him and uh, the blessing they gave him. Uh, but yet 15 days in, they started to feel these hunger pains. Um, Exodus 16, 1 through 3, it says, they set, out from, they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which they departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord, Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by a sat by the meat pots and ate breads to the full, for you have brought us into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they went from Lord deliver us please to Yay, we are free. And then a matter of and then in a matter of fifteen days they were like, Please send us back, we're gonna die. <laughs> So um, they began to reject, they began to turn around and reject Moses and Aaron, and they began to reject God because they would rather taste what they had in slavery than discover what they could have in freedom. And because of the difficulty of this journey that they were currently on, they were willing to go back into slavery, and they began to hunger and thirst for the wrong things. And so for us as humans, uh, for our appetite, we naturally have a hunger that's contrary to the life that God wants us to live. It's called human nature or sin nature. It is in our sin nature to desire things that are contrary from God. In our desire for temporary satisfaction, we lose our appetite for righteousness. And so sin is an appetite or hunger that's fulfilled in the wrong way. Well, we might have an appetite for, for us to be in a relationship uh, because we want to feel that love, but we constantly cross boundaries and try to feel that love. It's an appetite that's fulfilled in the wrong way. We might have an appetite for meaning and purpose, and so we turn to looking at things on our screens that we shouldn't look at because you think that it's going to give you gratification. It's an appetite that's fulfilled in the wrong way. We might have this appetite for friendships, so we turn, into, we turn to gossiping and lying and even lying about our own lives, especially from social media. You know, we're trying to have this picture-perfect life um, because we are trying to feel that validations from other people. It's an appetite fulfilled in the wrong way. We have 
uh, an appetite for good education, so we start turning to cheating and, and in school, and we do that because we want to have control over our future. It's an appetite that's fulfilled in the wrong way, and we do all these things without realizing that we're making ourselves sick. So the nation of Israel had forgotten how it was to be enslaved to Egypt. You know, the torture, the long days, no freedom, they were burdened. They were unable to live a satisfying life. Um, Israel was just fine when the Egyptians were drowning. Um, but then when they, once they saw the work, when they saw the long, uh, they saw the journey, they started to complain. And some of us are fine when we come into worship and they sing that just right song and you get the goosebumps and, and then we have this in interaction with God. But once, once, it, once it takes work, we start to turn into the nation of Israel. We begin to believe the lies, the enemy, uh, the lies of the enemy and we begin to return to the things that were not really satisfying. Um, the Bible talks about it this way in Proverbs 26, 11, As a dog eats its own vomit, so fools recycle silliness. Um, have you ever seen a dog eat its own vomit? It's pretty gross. I've never walked up to a person and asked them, like, hey, so what's your favorite thing about your dog? And they're like, oh, let me tell you. It's when my dog eats its own vomit. <laughs> um, no. It's pretty gross. So if you ever come across that person, please run the other direction. <laughs> um, but um, this verse is saying that as we return to our sin, it's like we are returning to the very thing that God has expelled from us um, to no longer to be in our life. Sin is destructive. We say, ew, but it's the consequences of our own desires. And the reason why we throw up is we're trying to get out whatever's inside of you so that your body can begin to recover and heal again. And I think sometimes we get frustrated and we ask God to take away this hunger from us, but that isn't what he wants us to do. Our hunger is not the problem. Our desires are. God doesn't take away our hunger because, remember, hunger isn't the problem. He wants to help us realign our desires so that we can have the right hunger. Um, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What is righteousness? If we look at the definition of righteousness in the Bible, it is this. The righteous are those who are to reflect the nature of their creator. But this verse is saying, we are not just blessed when we live right, we are blessed when we desire right. When we desire for the same nature as your creator. This verse is not saying that we have to be, in order for us to be righteous, uh, or sorry, this verse is not saying that we have to be righteous in order to be blessed. It's saying that we have to simply hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our desire for, our righteousness, for righteousness is, a, is what allows us to live that blessed life. Jesus is telling, telling you that, Jesus is telling you that your experience, that you will, sorry, Jesus is telling you that your, that your experience, when you experience satisfaction is not when you live right, but when we desire right. And to have these right desires daily, we need to know how to realign our desires when we are hungry for the wrong things. And so at camp, they shared kind of this formula on, on how to realign our wrong desires. So the formula is a humble heart plus the right choices equals the right desires. A humble heart plus the right choices equals the right desires. And it's impossible for us to have right desires if we, if what we think 
what we desire is greater than what God desires. Um, James 4, 6 says, but the grace that God gives is even stronger, as the scripture said, says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And maybe the reason why our desires are wrong um, is because we think what we're feeding ourselves is greater than what God is able to feed you. What we need is a humble heart. I need to spend time with him. I need to call on his name when wrong desires surface. I need to humble myself and recognize that his thoughts are higher and his ways are higher. Um, what I need is greater than what I want. And when we recognize that, we begin to make the choices around that. And then our relationship with God begins to flourish and we begin to live fully satisfied, blessed lives. When we live a fully satisfied life, it doesn't take an emotional high, it doesn't take a supernatural experience to get you back on track. When we live a fully satisfied life, um, the satisfaction you get that, um, that you get from a camp or from some conference or Sunday service, um, it comes from who you are in your personal relationship with Christ. It doesn't have to come from those things, from a camp or conference or Sunday service. It comes from who you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. A fully satisfied life should not be something that's like a roller coaster. Um, a fully satisfied life is something that satisfies you day to day, time after time, once and again. And Jesus says it like this in John 6, 33 to 35. For the bread of God is the bread that comes from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In Jesus, we are fully satisfied. We don't have to be like the nation of Israel and return to our old ways of thinking. We can be fully satisfied with Jesus. And that's what we learned at camp. <laughs> this uh ruby this amazing kind of, kind of this contrast of stories old testament new testament that you just went through you know one kind of in the physical it was spiritual as well but certainly in the physical the old testament deliver god delivers his people in dramatic fashion in ways that are just indelibly etched on their hearts and minds and 15 days later, they want to go back where they had where they had begged God to deliver them from. And I, so many times when I read this story, I begin to, in my heart, kind of judge Israel like, these people, they're crazy. And yet the Bible so often does it not cope church, it becomes a mirror to our own lives. And how many times do I go back to the same thing, kind of that visceral picture in Proverbs of the dog returning to its vomit it's so it's so gross and yet so often true in my own life and then jesus really brings it into the spiritual when those when my people will hunger and thirst for me they'll be filled same conversation with the woman at the well john chapter four uh where you know he he said I can give you water where you will thirst no more spiritually. It was him. We would drink from, from him. I, I wrote this down as I was reviewing your notes. I was so convicted by this and so encouraged by this. So you said, you said this this morning, in our desire for temporary satisfaction, 
lose our appetite for righteousness. So more than just a message for teenagers, more than just a message for our students, a message for us today. Thank you, Ruby, so much. Thank you. You, um, it took a lot to get us to camp. You worked really, really hard. Our volunteer youth staff worked tirelessly as well. You had kind of a note that you wanted to just share with co-church. Yeah, um, camp this year was a bit pricier than it was in the past, and so we were trying to brainstorm some ways on how we could, you know, take as many kids as possible. Um, and we came up with, you know, the blueberry day and the pizza party and the car wash. And um, I just want to thank you, Cove Church, for just coming and uh, participating in those events. It really does help. And even your generosity and giving uh, and, and participating in those events, just thank you. We really couldn't have done it without you. We were able to take um, 11 kids to camp. And again, we couldn't we couldn't have done this without you. And we couldn't have done it without my amazing team. So thank you. Give guys. yourselves a hand, Cove Church. Thank you. Ruby, so proud of you. Thank you for volunteering your time. Thank you for saying yes to leading our students. Thanks for loving our families and loving our parents and our teens. Just so grateful. Cope Church, give Ruby one more big hand, would you? So change lives. It's a great segue into one of the most beautiful sacraments of the church baptism. And so we, Ruby and I get to baptize some folks this morning. Uh, if you're new uh, to church, if you're new to baptism, let me just share with you uh, just a couple of theological aspects, kind of what we believe, what we don't believe. And so we would say this, that um, baptism is not what saves you. Your confession in Jesus Christ is what saves you, Romans 10, 9 and 10 baptism there so then what is baptism what you know what is it there for baptism is an outward sign of of that inward decision that we made to follow Jesus we would say it's symbolic in a couple of ways number one it's symbolic in that we identify with Jesus in his death burial and resurrection I bury the old Brandenburg dead and buried under the water symbolically and I rise to new life in Jesus. That's number one. It's also symbolic uh, in, in that this outward symbol of that inward decision. And so we often refer to this is not new to us or this isn't um, we're not giving ourselves credit. We've we've borrowed this from elsewhere, but we refer to baptism as the wedding ring, often the wedding ring of salvation. And so I have this wedding ring on my hand, a physical symbol of a commitment that I made to my wife, Joy, in my heart. I could take this wedding ring off. It doesn't mean that I that commitment is gone. It doesn't mean necessarily that I love my wife any less, but I put this outward symbol on to remind myself and to let others know that I've made a covenant to my wife. And so is baptism, similarly the wedding ring of salvation couple other things, Cope Church, maybe just uh, one other thing. We're going to pray for those who are being baptized, uh, and Ruby and I will baptize them. As they're being baptized, our worship team is going to lead us in worship, and it's legal for you to celebrate and to cheer and to pray for these folks who are being baptized. Good, amen, Cope Church? Okay.
Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for new life. Thank you for uh, baptism. Thank you for the, not just the symbolic nature of baptism, but the reality of baptism. That we celebrate new life in you today, Jesus. You are the life giver. Because you gave your life for us, we can live. Our desire is for you. God, we don't want to be the one who returns to silliness. God, we want to drink from the well that never runs dry, the rock that never runs dry, and that's you, Jesus. We celebrate new life. Thank you for our friends who are being baptized today. In the name of Jesus.